Welcome to the Back to Business podcast, a podcast to help you get back to business following disaster. I'm Megan Rogers from AWI Sheep Connect New South Wales, and today I'm joined by District Veterinarian with Central West Local Land Services, Dr Gillian Kelly. Hi Gillian, thanks for taking the time to speak with me this afternoon. Oh, hi Megan, it's my pleasure. In this episode of the Back to Business podcast, we look at the really important topic of livestock welfare, health and biosecurity during rebuild. It's a great time for people who are um, you know, working out how to, to get their businesses back on track. And certainly, Gillian, you, you said today in our, our webinar how important it is to get some of the planning right and to think about the weighing up the risks of reintroducing stock. Can we just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to have green grass after such a long dry period or after a natural disaster has gone through like a fire. People are quite keen to get back in and have a go. But I think it's a time when a, just a bit of um, a bit of thinking and a bit of planning can um, really set yourself up for the future. I'm certainly getting a lot of calls at the moment about um, buying in stock, particularly from a long distance away and, and sometimes from areas that farmers have had no experience in dealing with before, like really geographically different places. Um, stock are in such short supply, people are going wherever they can to try to find stock. Um, and I suppose what I'd just say, the moral of the story is don't rush in um, and just don't buy something inappropriate that's going to potentially put your flock or your herd at risk in terms of disease. Um, if you ask some questions and do some pre-planning, um, it'll set you up for the best result. And Gillian, what are some of the key uh, documents that we need to ensure uh, what we've, you know, when we're purchasing stock that we take in, into consideration and some of the information on those key documents? Yeah, so um, the cattle health declaration or the sheep health declaration, depending on what species you're looking at, is really going to be your best friend. So. In a lot of um, like the online auctions and things, these documents are attached and you can view them. But sometimes if you're buying you know, through other methods, they may not be available, but it's definitely worth asking for those documents. They've got really important questions on there about things like um, Yoni's disease, foot rot, pestivirus, um, previous treatments for things like lice or ticks or worms. Um, so, yeah, they've got really useful information on there that you can uh, use to do a risk assessment and just see what the risk of certain diseases is. You just don't want to bring something to your farm that's going to take you then months or years to sort out afterwards if you make, make a mistake and, and bring disease stock onto your farm. That's the last thing anybody wants after they're trying to, um, you know, regather their business and, and build it back up to its um, pre-disaster um, sort of status, I guess, in terms of um, profitability and productivity. Now, um, yeah, once we've once we've got the stock at home and you know, or or we've um, had stock contained, what are some of the things that we need to think about in terms of? Um, um, quarantining those animals and then, you know, releasing them out into our hopefully lush green pastures. Yeah, so if you've done your risk assessment and you've looked at your health declarations, you've asked lots of questions of the vendor or the agent or whoever, 
And um, also, if you've thought about your own farm biosecurity plan, so that's that's a document that you should have in your filing cabinet. Um, you have to have a farm biosecurity plan to be LPA accredited and to get your NVD books. So you should have a farm biosecurity plan. Um, they weren't um, documents that were meant to just be shelved and never looked at again. They were meant to be sort of living documents. So grab that out and have a look and see if the stock that you're buying aligns with um, your um, own farm biosecurity and the diseases that you um, find most important on your farm. That's a really good document to have a look at as well. Um, if you've done all of that and you've worked out that, yep, these stock are for you and you were then the successful buyer at auction, um, there's just a few things to be sure about, um, you know, as they arrive. The last thing you want to do is unload hungry stock off a truck onto green feed and let them get a gut full of it. Um, I've seen a lot of those cases lately and had a few panicked calls from people who have done just that. Um, so when they arrive, have a really good look at them off the truck. Um, just a reminder that the fit to load guidelines, um, the, like the MLA fit to load guidelines, you know, they say that it's everybody's responsibility, animal welfare, including the person receiving the stock. So have a good look at them and make sure everything's fit and healthy off the truck. Um, I'd leave them in a little holding paddock or somewhere around the yards there where you can monitor them really closely. And I'd feed them um, plenty of hay to fill them up straight off the track and I'd give them some um, minerals so some um, like a lick of some descriptions so a commercial product that contains um, sodium and calcium and magnesium um, just to um, get them metabolically back on track and um, I'd give them a quarantine drench to vaccinate and I'd leave them there for a few days to empty out all of their the belly full of worms that they may be carrying all those resistant parasites and, um, and then just ease them gradually out after that into whichever paddock you're going to put them into, keeping the hay and the mineral leak up to them and just um, giving them a really gradual transition onto your green feed at home. What about some of the, um, the specifics with regards to, you know, what sort of things should we be on the lookout for? There's, you know, we, we hear about um, poisonings, we hear about other metabolic disease, um, releasing animals onto green feed sounds like, I mean, we all get excited when we've got some green feed. It sounds like a, a pretty easy thing to do. But in actual fact, I think, um, you know, I've certainly experienced, you know, all of the, the troubles that, that come with, um, with the green after a, a dry period or indeed a, an area where you've had your, your feed burnt. What, what sort of um, things should people be on the lookout for in terms of um, disease or, or disorders? Well, the green feed that's grown, um, particularly after a drought or particularly around areas of high faecal contamination, like around yards or areas where animals have been fed, they've proved lately to be very, very high in nitrates. And nitrates are poisonous to stock. So we've seen nitrate poisoning kill a lot. Um, yeah, the, the nitrate builds up in the plant and then animals can handle you know, nitrates if, if everything else is going right in their in their diet, but if they get a big belly full of it on an empty stomach, it will kill them. So, yeah, nitrate poisons is definitely something to look out for. Um, we've seen following drought and, and particularly following fire, strange poisonous plants grow that, that weren't there previously. 
especially if you've brought fodder in from another area, you may have some weird plants. So it's worth having a look at what's growing and seeing if any of them are going to be toxic. Um, and, um, and yeah, metabolic problems of hungry stock who have got an empty belly off a truck, like low blood calcium and low blood magnesium are, um, are very um, common as well. So they're probably my top three, Megan, um, just straight off the truck um, that we see in introduced stock. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? You know, you just just don't know what their the history is, and then then to bring them and and um, introduce them to some some lush green feed, which is you know what they all want to get out and graze. It's just a, a risk, and it you know could turn out to be quite costly. Yeah. It is a risk, but I think as long as you follow some pretty sensible principles, mainly that when they come off the truck, you hold them and you feed them hay um, and you gradually ease them out onto the green feed, I think if you just follow those sorts of basic principles and not be in too much of a hurry, um, they'll be fine. And, it, you know, it is it is wonderful that we've got all that green feed to then go on and eat. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, hopefully it's a, it's a real turnaround for, for our industry in terms of getting some rain and, and helping people get back to business. I wanted to talk a little bit with you now about adjustment, you know, and, and I guess it's, it's a two way street with adjustment, whether on whether you're providing adjustment for other people and, and you're accepting other people's livestock onto your place or if indeed you're sending your livestock away to um, someone else's place. What are some of the things that people really need to think about, we, particularly with regards to disease like, like um, you know, whether it be worms, lice, um, or things like pulpy kidney? What are some of the things that we really need to do um, well in advance of, of um, you know, accepting or sending livestock away? Yeah, well, if you just think about it, to start with it, of accepting stock um, onto your farm, you know, offering somebody adjustment. Uh, a couple of things, you need to think about the actual disease risk. So you need to think about what those stock might be carrying. And because I guess there's so many possibilities, it is worth probably having that discussion with your vet or your livestock officer or your agent or somebody who knows your business really well. Um, so for example, if you're bringing, um, say breeding animals, you might want to be thinking about reproductive diseases like brucellosis in sheep or vibriosis in bulls. That may be a risk to your flock if, um, if you know, um, a male animal gets into the wrong paddock or something like that. Um, again, it'll depend on what the status of your farm is and and um, and what's important to you. Things like pestivirus and cattle um, may be particularly important to your farm, and um, and that's why it's probably best to discuss your individual situation with somebody who knows your business. But the other thing to think about is. Um, Got all of those things that are on the sheep health declaration or the cattle health declaration, so things like yoni's disease and foot rot. Um, and the other thing to consider is our statuses of the property. So, for example, with cattle, uh, you will have a JBAS status um, or a JBAS score. So most people who transitioned across from the old yoni's disease system back in 2017 when things changed if they had a farm biosecurity plan, they probably came across as a JBAS 6. If you've done more testing, you're probably a 7 or an 8. But whatever status you are, you need to make sure that the stock that you're introducing is that status or higher. Um, you, you know, you shouldn't just go and introduce any stock because down the track you may want to sell stock and a potential vendor, uh, sorry, a potential purchaser of your stock may want to know what your status is. So you, if 
if you think that that's the status is going to be a potential selling point for your stock down the track and it's something you want to maintain, you need to um, really assess the stock that are coming on to make sure that they're the same status or higher just to maintain that. And the same goes if you're sending stock away on a juicement, you need to think about where they're going and, um, and the same sorts of things in terms of disease risk and status as to when you bring them home. Um, just to maintain the integrity of your farm and, and to keep it disease free. But also, yeah, for things like JBAS or for the Sheep Market Assurance Program, if that's something that you're part of, um, yeah, you need to think about maintaining those sorts of statuses as well. Some wise advice there, Gillian, because uh, I guess, you know, we, you don't ever want to find out when it's too late, uh, when, when the, um, you know, the problem's now sort of emerged and like you said earlier there's something that you've got to live with for years then to try and try and rectify i guess um in terms yeah. of in terms of releasing stock out onto pasture i just wanted to touch on that because we talked about that a little bit during our podcast and the importance of vaccinating livestock before they have a, a serious change of feed i.e out of a containment area onto some green pastures can you just um, run me through a little bit about what your key tips are for people in, in that regard, particularly with regards to pulpy kidney? Yeah, so pulpy kidney is definitely a risk whenever you've got a, a change of diet and particularly when you're going on to a diet that's high in carbohydrates. So yeah, going from um, a drought or, um, or you know containment feeding into lush green feed is probably the highest challenge situation you can get in terms of that sudden diet change. So pulpy kidney um, is definitely a risk and definitely something we should be vaccinating for. So pulpy kidney is caused by a clostridium bacteria that lives in the gut and um, it overgrows when there's a sudden dietary change and it produces a nasty toxin and it's um, quite deadly to sheep and they die quite quickly from it. But the good news is, is that it's um, very easily vaccinated for. Uh, Pulpy kidney vaccine is quite cheap and easy to do. And um, this is another um, reason why those health declarations are going to be really important because they'll probably tell you whether the animals have had a vaccination lately. Um, even if they have had a vaccination, you know, if they're on a, say, 12 monthly vaccination program or something like that, it's worth noting that even with like a five in one or a six in one or a seven in one product, the pulpy kidney part of most of the brands of vaccine on the market, um, the pulpy kidney part of it only lasts three to four months under a high challenge situation. So even if they've had their yearly booster and that was six months ago or whatever, they do, they need another one now. It only lasts three or four months. So yes, um, I think pretty much um, like, with very few exceptions, all stock that are introduced probably need a booster on arrival, just to be sure. And um, yeah, just worth noting that if the green feed hangs around and um, you know we've still got lush green feed to our knees and plenty of clover in another three or four months, they need another pulpy kidney booster then. And um, if you can't, if you can't get a, if you can't get a health statement or if there's no details on that health statement and you're really not sure what their vaccination history is, it's worth giving them an injection now, leaving them on sort of a, a hay diet or something like that for a week or 10 days 
and then putting them back out and then making sure they get that booster in four to six weeks time just to make sure they've got really good immune levels. So so what you what you're saying is that 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 vaccination depending on on the history of the animal may not reach its full sort of effectiveness for up to 10 days. Yeah, if they've never had a vaccination before, it will tend it'll take 10 days for their immune levels to rise. If they've had like, you know, their two injections as a lamb like two injections um, four to six weeks apart as a lamb or a calf or even as an adult animal but previously and all you're doing is giving them a booster they should have some immune levels there and you're just giving them a top up so you could let them out sooner than that but if they if you're unsure of their history or they've never had a vaccination I'd be very um, cautious about letting them out um, without giving them 10 days for that immune level to rise after the vaccination. Well, finding out the hard way is not really an option for people, really, because it's, um, you know, livestock are worth so much and they're it's such a valuable commodity. I think it's um, it's very much a case of prevention's way better than the cure on that one, isn't it? Absolutely. And pulpy kidney, in my experience, doesn't just tend to kill one or two. It generally kills 50. So um, you can get quite high losses from pulpy kidney. So it's it's something that is easily prevented. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. And Gillian, I guess we, we're sort of starting to run a little bit short on time for our, our chat today. Was there anything else that you wanted to really uh, reiterate in terms of, of the important key steps for people as they are looking to um, to rebuild their flocks or herds going forward? Yeah, I'll just run through the key points again. First is do a full risk assessment, ask lots of questions, get your documentation, Find someone you trust who knows your business and run it all past them and just, yeah, just make sure those stock really are for you. Don't jump at the, the closest thing or the cheapest thing. Um, make sure you do your homework. Second, look after them on arrival. Make sure you feed them plenty of hay, give them a really gradual transition onto green feed. Give them a quarantine drench and a vaccinate and, um, and try to avoid a lot of those pitfalls that come with unloading stock with an empty belly straight out on a paddock of green feed. And then I'll just add one thing at the end about traceability. So um, it is the receiver of stocks job to do the transfers on the NLAS database. Um, so if you're purchasing stock, you need to transfer them. For cattle, that'll be an individual ID transfer for each animal. And for sheep, it'll be a mob-based transfer. And you need to do it within two days of the stock arriving. If um, you're sending stock on adjustment, it's the owner of the stock's job to transfer them unless they've arranged for the receiver or for the agent or somebody like that to do it for them. Um, but, yeah, traceability is super important when we're moving stock around. It really does maintain the integrity of the red meat um, supply chain and it's, it's super, super important. So just keep that in mind as well. Yeah, really important advice in terms of keeping all our markets open, particularly in such uncertain times. Gillian, thanks so much for spending the time with me again after having uh, presented our, our webinar. And um, I'd really look forward to catching up with you again soon. If people are interested in finding out a little bit more, they can have a look on online at sheepconnectnsw.com.au where our webinar recordings are housed. Um, also, if people are after some specific advice relating to their own operation and, and pathway forward, 
the advice that you've given today, Gillian, about catching up with a local veterinarian, local livestock consultant, stock and station agent, somebody who really knows your business well has been such valuable advice as well. So Gillian, thanks again for catching up with us. Really appreciate your time. Oh, you're more than welcome, Megan. Thanks for tuning in to the Back to Business podcast, a partnership of Meat and Livestock Australia, Australian Wool Innovation, Integrity Systems Company and Sheep Connect New South Wales. In the meantime, if you're finding this information really useful, we would love for you to share this podcast amongst your own networks and appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes so that other farmers can find this Back to Business podcast. podcast.